So we're going to start off today's training with something very special. Uh, my colleague Jean Lundquist is here to start us off with a guided meditation. Um, it'll just take a few minutes, but I encourage you to, if you feel, if you have your camera on and you feel more comfortable with it off, please feel free to do that. Um, get comfortable and she's gonna just take us through a few minutes of uh, mindfulness meditation. Thanks, Elizabeth. Um, and I'm going to put in the chat, we have these Wellbeing Wednesdays every two weeks where we've been starting off with meditation, um, but we're going to go into other activities as well. Just a 30 minute break where we're trying to engage our body and mind in some self-soothing, some relaxation. Um, so if you like this meditation, hopefully you can sign up during a lunch break. So let's get started. Find a relaxed, comfortable position. Closing your eyes softly. Perhaps seated on a chair or on the floor, on a cushion. Keep your back upright, but not too tight. Hands resting wherever they're comfortable. Notice your body from the inside. The shape of your body. The weight. Let yourself relax. and become curious about your body seated here. The sensations of your body. The connection with the floor, the chair, Trying to relax any areas of tightness or tension. Breathing naturally. Softening into your body. Now begin to tune into your breath. Feeling the natural flow. You don't need to do anything. Not long, not short, just your natural breath. Notice where you feel your breath in your body. It might be in your abdomen, your chest, your throat, or in your nostrils. See if you can feel the sensations of breath one breath at a time. When one breath ends, the next breath begins. Now, as you do this, you might notice that your mind may start to wander. You may start thinking about other things. This happens. This is not a problem. It's very natural. Just notice that your mind has wandered. You can say thinking or wandering. 
in your head softly. And then gently redirect your attention right back to the breathing. Now begin to notice if you are holding on to some difficult emotions. Worry about the future, uneasiness about the past. Understand that every human body bears stress and worry throughout the day. Now offer yourself goodwill because of what you're holding in your body right now. Say the following phrases to yourself softly and gently. May I be safe. May I be peaceful. May I be kind to myself. May I accept myself as I am. If your mind has wandered, return to the words or the emotion that you are holding in your body. Go slowly. You can name the emotion or find it in the physical body and soften that area. When you're comfortable, return to the phrases. May I be safe. May I be peaceful. May I be kind to myself. May I accept myself as I am. Finally, take a few breaths, sitting quietly in your own body, knowing that you can return to these phrases anytime you wish during the rest of your day. Once again, notice your body, your whole body seated here, letting yourself relax even more deeply. And then offer yourself some appreciation for doing this practice today. Finding a sense of ease and well-being for yourself and the rest of this day. And when you're comfortable and ready, open your eyes, wiggle your fingers and toes, and come back to your present moment.
Thank you all for participating. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thank you, Jean. Ah, so relaxing. Jean has the best voice for guided meditations. <laughs> We're so lucky to have her on the team and here with us today. I hope that was a pleasant experience for all of you. And for those of you who may have just joined in the midst of that, you're in a radical acceptance training. And that was just a brief meditation. Uh, but we'll move on to content now and I'll sort of ease us in to thinking from a state of um, being aware and accepting all right, so let's just review learning objectives for today. I'm hoping that you all will be able to leave here today uh, able to demonstrate a deeper understanding of radical acceptance, both as a skill to teach clients and as a provider self-care strategy. I uh, hope that you'll be able to distinguish between the concepts and mind-body states of willingness and willfulness. Give examples of common challenges to engaging in radical acceptance and strategies for overcoming them and describe the illusory nature of control and how radical acceptance interacts with and attempts, there's a word missing there, to seek control such as rumination or reality rejection. Um, and also learn from and connect with your colleagues as always. So just uh, as I mentioned before, we I created this training, uh, I wanna say April of last year. So right at the beginning of the pandemic, we created the series on provider well-being and self-care and in looking back on the content when I was editing ed editing it for this round, you know, it really struck me how how different I was reacting to the uncertainty of that time then versus now. And I'm sure many of you all have experienced some shifts in uh, your emotional state um, in terms of how you re reflect on the pandemic. And I want to say this isn't this training is not specifically about managing with the uncertainty of the pandemic. It's, you know, that's still, of course, extremely relevant. Um, but you could say that uh, we could expand the, the sort of focus of this training to be a bit broader uh, towards all forms of uncertainty, all, all challenges, all difficult experiences we, we face as providers and as people in the world. Um, but just, uh, just curious, what, what are some difficult feelings you've experienced related to the pandemic more recently? So for this particular side, just going to reflect on the changes related to the pandemic. I know when, when, uh, when we were in the spring of last year, my feelings were in, intensely fearful, intensely um, uncertain, lots of senses of, uh, of uh, doom perhaps, um, but lots of worry about clients and what would happen to those that are unhoused. How were people gonna get medical services? And now we've gotten some more information over time and I find myself experiencing frustration, perhaps, exhaustion, perhaps. Um, so what, what are you all experiencing? And I'll check in the chat for any responses. What are the difficult feelings that maybe just stick around? I'm seeing one person has mentioned um, malaise, unappreciated. Appreciated perhaps um, in a multitude of ways, maybe that's as a provider and in other ways, uncertainty still, um, sadness, dread, dread and cynicism. Yep, okay, feeling that nothing will change or improve. Yeah, the difficult feelings have really taken a slightly different shape, it seems, for many people. These are really challenging things to deal with. Um, and they're things that we can't necessarily impact change around. And we're gonna to talk today a good bit about what we do and do not have control over. And that's where radical acceptance comes in is for the stuff that we can't enact change around. All right, thank you so much for sharing. So what are our options when we're presented with a problem? Really basic, um, not just a difficult feeling, just any problem. So radical acceptance draws from DBT. I imagine many of you have heard about dialectical behavior therapy. Um, and according to DBT, we've got four options. We can change the situation or solve the problem. We can change our feelings about the situation. Uh, we can radically accept the situation or we can do nothing and stay miserable. And so for those of you who do any sort of uh, psychotherapeutic work, you're probably familiar with like, well, number one just looks like perhaps uh, problem solving therapy or maybe it's just case management, um, you know, just practical, pragmatic problem solving. 
changing your feelings about the situation. That reminds me of cognitive behavioral therapy. Radically accept the situation is certainly not the entirety of dialectical behavior therapy, but it is a, it's a little piece of it. Um, and doing nothing and staying miserable is still an option. And I am quite sure that many of us and many of our clients have chosen that option when faced with the problem. So today we're gonna to talk about number three. All right, so to define radical acceptance, Marsha Linehan, again, a DBT person, uh, defines radical acceptance as a, that it rests on letting go of the illusion of control and a willingness to notice and accept things as they are right now without judging. Okay, so key, key pieces there um, have to do with willingness without judging the now, just in this current exact moment, not, not before, not after, um, and the illusion of control and letting go of it. It's a pretty heavy hitting definition. Another definition, and this is um, from, I believe his first name is Stephen Hayes. He's the acceptance and commitment therapy guy. So sort of another, um, another offshoot from the CBT world, just as DBT is. He defines it as a fully open experience of what is. Entering into reality just as it is at this moment. Fully open acceptance is without constrictions and without distortion, judgment, evaluation, and attempts to keep an experience or get rid of it. So more words in that one, a little bit more complicated, but I really like the, the last uh, line. Without distortion, judgment, evaluation, and attempts to keep an experience or get rid of it. So not clinging, not uh, fusing with, and not pushing something away or avoiding, but rather, and not evaluating it. I kind of, I love that addition in his definition. All right. So within DBT, you'll see uh, radical acceptance. Let's say you're reading uh, the handbook for DBT. You'll see it come up as a distress tolerance skill and an emotion regulation skill. Um, and again, everything you were learning today for, to sort of apply to yourself, every, all of this you can apply to yourself as a provider and you can work, use these skills with your clients. Um, they're absolutely applicable to any human being, no matter what their mental health state or what they've got on their plate. All right, and I'm gonna read one other certain definition. This one's from Tara Brack, Bratch, I've never known how to pronounce her last name. She writes a lot about mindfulness stuff. Um, she's a little bit more not in the evidence-based world. She's a little more sort of spiritual, um, Eastern philosophy, self-helpy uh, stuff. But she has a book titled Radical Acceptance, which is a pretty good read if you're ever needing something to really explore uh, your grounding skills and to self-reflect. Um, but this is a quote from her. Clearly recognizing what is happening inside us and regarding what we see with an open, kind, and loving heart is what I call radical acceptance. If we are holding back from any part of our experience, if our heart shuts out any part of who we are and what we feel, we are fueling the fears and feelings of separation that sustain the trance of unworthiness. Radical acceptance directly dismantles the very foundations of this trance. I just love the aspect of if our heart shuts out any part of who we are and what we feel, um, that is the issue there. So when we do not accept everything that we're experiencing in a, a really um, sort of comprehensive way, if we, if, we, if we cherry pick, if we pick and choose what pieces to accept, we're gonna run into issues. So the radical part of radical acceptance refers to the complete and total aspect of radical acceptance. All right, so what is radical acceptance not? It is not approval, passivity, or giving up. It's not forgiveness with or without compassion. So you hear this a lot uh, when folks talk about, you know, some, something maybe has, there's been an interpersonal wrongdoing. Something has been done that broke someone's trust or, or crossed a boundary. Um, radical acceptance can be something to use it to make sense and move forward from what happened without necessarily forgiving what happened. That is a different, a different function, a different mental function, a different interpersonal and relational function. Um, radical acceptance is also not choosing parts of reality to accept and parts to reject, just as Tara was saying. It's not treating beliefs, judgments, or assumptions as facts. Um, so seeing that 
any thought we have, any deeply held belief we have, any value we have, any judgment or assumption is not a fact. Uh, it is not a concept or practice that precludes change. Uh, in fact, rather it allows for greater clarity on where we can truly affect future change, right? So radical acceptance doesn't mean we accept what is happening in the present moment and nothing is ever, that moment is forever. The circumstance of that moment is, is uh, indefinite. It uh, means that we are just accepting this moment now and the circumstances of now and what's next, we do not know. Uh, it's not simply acknowledgement. So radical acceptance involves accepting all the way deeply with the heart, mind, and body. And we'll talk about that in just a few minutes around uh, a willingness in the body and how we can sort of double down on being willing in more than just our mind. It's not one and done in a single dose of practice. So while all we have to do is radically accept moment to moment, nothing more than that if we so choose, it isn't something that uh, is done once and that's it. It is something we have to do on repeat, moment to moment, um, depending on what, what's going on and what the need is. Why is radical acceptance important? And this is purely from Marsha Linehan. This is her rationale on why it's important. This is her, her, her attempt to persuade us that this is, this is the way. So rejecting or denying reality doesn't change reality. I would agree with that one. Uh, I might want something to be different. I might want the pandemic to be over, but that's my want uh, or denying that it is occurring would not change the fact that it's not. Changing reality where possible involves first accepting reality, facts. Pain cannot be avoided is also a working assumption that she uh, says is part of this. Rejecting reality turns pain into suffering. So pain's a given, rejecting reality will turn pain into suffering. Pain as a distressing experience is not the same as suffering. Suffering is, it's, and I've never known quite how to put this into words, but in the DBT, through the DBT lens, it is something that I guess is elongated, sustained, and worse than the initial uh, experience of pain. Accepting reality can bring freedom from suffering. So if we get out of a battle, a tug of war uh, with reality, if we stop sort of rejecting or saying no to reality, we will alleviate some suffering. And we, we might just be back to pain, but that's more manageable than suffering. Acceptance may lead to sadness, but lack of fear of sadness usually follows in the form of deep calm. So what is happening here when we are no longer fearing the feelings that we want to avoid, that reduces the suffering and there's a greater chance of us feeling at least calm. Fear, fear is, Fear is intense, there's an arousal to it, there's anxiety to it, um, there's a lot of um, mental activity, rumination and worry. Uh, when we can sort of remove that and just stick to the initial distress that we experience and accept it, that's gonna be our easiest path. Okay, so pain's a given, suffering equals pain plus non-acceptance is the argument here. Um, and I've left one uh, line that if you know DBT well out of um, Marsha's writing, uh, because I think it's a little bit intense, <laughs> um, but it's the comment of uh, the path out of hell is misery. I just feel like that one's a little negatively framed. <laughs> is isn't exactly energizing. Um, but if you, if you do, this is directly from uh, Dr. Linehan. If you want to read up on it, you will find that one in there. And again, I mean, DBT is, right, you think of it when you're working with people who have a lot of distress and probably not the greatest uh, skills for coping with that distress. So perhaps a bit of a different uh, application. Okay, so radical acceptance is neither, as we talked about, avoidance, and it's also not overexposure. Um, so just to sort of frame avoidance, it can be adaptive or maladaptive, depending on what's going on. I think we, we often think of it as maladaptive, especially those who believe in some, maybe have a, a mindfulness belief or practice that that's what works for them to always be accepting and sort of present to what they're, what's going on for them, not avoiding ever. In some cases, and we see this with uh, trauma, maybe a little bit of avoidance in some forms could be adaptive. Um, 
So it's super subjective and like really related to the, maybe it's the duration of how long are you using that coping strategy or the nature of the distress. Um, so like, for example, disengagement coping uh, is often, but not always a maladaptive coping response. Like in short-term denial might be beneficial early on in a traumatic episode if it occurs in a situation that is both uncontrollable and too threatening. Um, however, it's not gonna be likely to be beneficial longer term because it does not effectively target the threat and its impact, if that makes sense. So for example, like ongoing denial of a tra traumatic experience is not an adaptive form of emotion regulation. However, maybe just uh, for a small amount of time, that is something that can serve us. Um, and then, you know, maybe from the ACT lens in contrast distancing or efforts to disengage from a situation temporarily in an attempt to di like diminish its significance, that can also be an adaptive emotion-focused disengagement strategy. Distancing would be kind of like a diffusion technique from acceptance and commitment therapy. So with both of those, you're taking a step back from the painful negative thoughts. Like for example, what's uh, maybe I, I am overthinking that this will never end or no one likes me or something like that. I can create some space between me and that thought and not experience as much distress from it um, until I can maybe challenge that thought in a more helpful way. And by engaging in diffusion or, distant, diffusion or distancing, uh, you just might, you might have a little more wiggle room to really address the, the thoughts and the beliefs that you have. Um, so that's sort of a side point. Avoidance can be adaptive or maladaptive. Um, and we can't strong arm ourselves via rumination, self-forced exposure or immersion into radically accepting something. So people who are really sort of like cognitively engaged with themselves, they have great metacognition. Those of us who really like to think through things or analyze them, you know, you can't sort of mentally, uh, analytically get yourself to radically accept something. Acceptance is a much more sort of passive state or passive practice. Let me know if that is making sense or not making sense. So to give a little diagram here, we've got acceptance as this middle path. Um, and here on the left, we have denial or rejection of a reality. And on the right, we've got overexposure and rumination. So those are a couple of different things that people might, might do to deal with a reality that they're really struggling to accept, all right? So turning the mind is uh, another DBT skill. Um, and the four steps are on the screen. Um, we've got the first step as observe non-acceptance. So we have to accept that we're struggling to, not we're struggling to accept. <laughs> we have to, um, yes, we have to be aware of what's going on. Uh, we have to realize that we're, we're fighting against something either by chewing on it too long and ruminating or by pushing it away. Uh, we have to make an inner commitment to accept reality as it is. Then we have to do it again and again and develop a plan for drift out of acceptance. So number three is about this practice piece. It's like a muscle. We just have to keep using it to make it stronger. Um, and what do you think that looks like to develop a plan for catching yourself when you drift out of, out of acceptance? How do, how do we do that? How do we... How do you make a plan to catch yourself not being mindful and accepting? Maybe it's a process of checking in with yourself. Maybe you do brief meditations on your own time. Maybe it's something you do when you are writing, you start your day, you finish your day, when you notice distressing feelings, maybe you have a check-in and say, is there anything I'm grappling with? That any, any aspect of reality that I'm either pushing away or clinging to? that I can make some peace with. Pause using self-insight. Yeah, that's a great, a great comment, great idea. I think um, this, one, this concept really parallels another one that we train on a lot uh, about overprotect or neglect is a bit of a continuum of ways we respond to our clients. Sometimes we really wanna be really involved, we're mentally very involved, we're worrying, we're doing everything we can. And on the other side, sometimes we check out and we don't take as much interest because it's just too much stress. So similarly, we wanna stay on that middle path and we have to have a self-reflective or supported reflective process either with colleagues or supervisors to do any of that. So let's talk about willingness 
versus willfulness. Um, it's what it sounds like, very simple concepts. Uh, willingness is accepting what is. It's doing what works. It focuses on individual and common needs and it has to do with responding from a wise mind, okay? The wise mind is a blend of the rational and the emotional mind. Uh, you'll see those uh, in Venn diagrams sometimes with the overlapping circles, um, emotional mind, rational mind, and wise mind is in the middle, a blend of the two. Willfulness has to do with trying to control events or experiences. Um, it's a focus on ego or the self's agenda. Sometimes it looks like refusing to take part in life. Uh, sometimes it looks like holding back, saying yes, but. Sometimes it looks like holding a grudge or bitterness, okay? And remember, as we said before, radical acceptance is not forgiveness. Um, however, holding tightly to a, a, form, a feeling um, and not accepting a, a piece of reality that is painful can cause us to have these like secondary aspects of suffering and a grudge or bitterness might be an example of that. So how do you go from willful to willing? How do, we, how do we stay on the left here? How do we stay willing? Um, very easy steps. First part is to observe when willfulness is happening. So um, when you're saying be aware of stressors and how they are affecting us somatically, ruminating thoughts, exactly. What are our signs? What are our signs when we're not accepting reality? And what, what does it feel like when we're being willful? Okay. Second step would be radically accepting the willfulness, <laughs> accepting that we're having a grudge right now. We're bitter. Um, we are refusing to take part in life, whatever that might look like. Um, radically accept that that's going on. That's also part of reality. That has been your reaction. And then we want to turn the mind. So going back to this slide, we want to pick this middle path. We want to see the two other options and go down the middle. Okay. And we want to do these four steps here. Observe the non-acceptance, make that inner commitment to accept reality and keep doing it. And then finally, we can also engage our bodies, as I mentioned earlier, in a willful um, state. So the half smile, which is going to look ridiculous when I try to do this while talking, <laughs> but a half smile might be engaging your face in sort of a relaxed, pleasant state not a big smile, not something tense, of course, if it's not natural, but just sort of half smiling at reality and saying, all right, I'm willing. It's not a grimace. It's not a frown. It's just, maybe it's a mental exercise where it doesn't really matter what your face exactly looks like, but you're thinking, I'm going to try and half smile at reality right now. A willing posture. That might look like, you can't see my shoulders well, but not keeping your shoulders up here or crunched or clenching. Maybe it's thinking that you have your shoulders a bit relaxed and down, your chest open, your heart open, if that feels comfortable for you. Maybe your hands are just resting. They're not gripping anything. Um, maybe it has to do with if you're standing up, uh, how you're positioning your hips and your legs, whatever works for you, but just sort of grounding in your body to figure out all right, is my body congruent with this approach of this mental willfulness, I'm sorry, willingness that I am trying to engage in? Is my body doing something different? Can I get it to be a little bit more willing? Another comment, starting with grounding exercises, staying in a place of what is, excellent, absolutely. Okay, radical acceptance in practice. Lots of lists. Dr. Lenahan loves the lists. Okay, observe that you are challenging or fighting reality. You'll start to notice that a lot of these steps really echo one another. So we are always starting with observation and maybe offering some acceptance for that. Number two is reminding yourself that reality is just as it is. Number three, consider the causes of the reality you need to accept. So this is a little different, right? Maybe. Maybe we do need to do a little bit of uh, evaluating, actually. Maybe we do need to think about what are, if we're making any causal attributions about the reality that might be mistaken, let's, for example, say um, uh, a friend isn't calling me back and I causally attribute that it's because I'm terrible and no one likes me. 
maybe that's something I should evaluate that if I include that belief as part of reality and I'm not, and I don't have evidence for it, there is the reality where I'm having that thought and feeling that way, but might not have evidence to support it. So sometimes we do need to consider all of the different causes for the reality that we need to accept. Think about the variety of explanations for something. Okay. Number four, practice accepting what the whole self, mind, body, and spirit. That's what we just talked about. Um, practice opposite action. So what does this mean? Opposite action is kind of like fake it till you make it. Um, let's say you're feeling if you really want to get entrenched in some worry and you want to keep your body rigid, well, maybe what you could do is get into a different sort of, um, focus your mind on something different and relax your body. Might not be what you feel like doing whatsoever. might be the opposite of what you feel like doing. Um, DBT really tries to encourage, just try it, just try it and see, you don't know, maybe something, maybe some shift will occur if you give that a shot. Cope ahead. So cope ahead means to think about uh, what might happen in the future. If you're stressing about something or worried about something, fear, experiencing fear, dread, um, to plan in advance how you might react and to go ahead and accept that reality. That's one way of interpreting cope ahead. So it helps you replace fear with a sense of mastery. Like, all right, I've, re I've rehearsed this. I, I know what's going to happen. This is this might, I'm going to a funeral. This is going to be sad. I'm going to cope ahead by thinking about the fact that I'm going to cry and I'll be okay. That I'm going to have to interact with people I haven't seen in a while and I will make it through that. That's an example of coping ahead. Um, and it helps the unacceptable, the seemingly unacceptable become more acceptable. So when you're in the moment, you've been there before. This is not to be confused, of course, with like, uh, ruminating on rehearsals of the future and worrying about things that have yet to come. Sort of a fine line there, but in this sense, we're just trying to think through what's going to aid me in accepting a difficult reality that might be to come. Number seven, attend to body sensations. Number eight, allow disappointment, sadness, or grief to arise. So getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, letting painful feelings, distressing feelings, come through us, trusting that they're going to continue, that they will get there, they will peak, and then they will pass. Acknowledge life is worth it, even with pain. And number 10, list pros and cons of acceptance to reference when non-acceptance arises again. Again, we might need to have a bit of an argument stored up to say, this is why this, what does not feel immediately better, sometimes avoidance feels immediately better, right? Um, why we're doing this hard work, why we're, we're going to, we're going to reduce our long-term suffering and just deal with some distress in the moment. Okay. All right. And more on radical acceptance and practice. Here's some challenges, um, self-protective or trauma influenced instincts, right? That's, that's common, um, common for our clients, perhaps coming for some of us, um, due to the stress of the work that we do and, uh, vicarious trauma. Uh, we can ask ourselves, what is the risk in accepting this? And then ask, what is the risk of not? That's sort of a, a cognitive strategy we can engage in there. Uh, another challenge, I really don't agree with this. How can I accept it? We have to remind ourselves that acceptance isn't agreement or endorsement. It is just acceptance of reality. We don't have to believe that what is happening should be happening. We just have to accept that it is. How about why me? Okay, every event has a cause, identifying whether it had anything to do with you or not. We just sort of talked on this a moment ago, same point. And what about, I don't know that I can sustain the discomfort of, of really embracing such a painful reality. It can be scary to think about having to do this practice over and over again when you, there, it's something that you don't have control over. Perhaps the pandemic is a great example. Um, and that's why we really, when you, when you get overwhelmed by the thought of accepting reality, Taking it moment to moment is the key. You only have to accept only the current moment, not all the moments following. You don't have to commit to that. Just take each one as they come anew and do the same strategy over and over. That's all. Okay. And just to acknowledge again, we are being asked to cope with a lot. And this slide has not changed since April of last year. I thought about changing it, but I think many of you all as providers are still dealing with a lot of this. 
um, digesting disappointments, canceled plans, isolation, financial impacts. Some of that's in our personal lives, of course. Some of that's uh, in our professional lives. Making space for fears with our families, selves, clients, our job, housing, and food stability. Dealing with work frustrations and changes. Many of you have learned new skills now to uh, operate remotely or digitally. Many of you really didn't ever do that. You were in the field the entire time and you had to make other sorts of adjustments in the field in a really frightening and stressful circumstance. Um, changes to resources for clients and reduced sense of connection with clients. Again, this is gonna look and feel different for each of you, depending on the work you're doing and what your agent, how your agency has managed over the past year and a half. Um, and constant change and ambiguity and uncertainty, that's sort of the theme of this, right? We, things are ever changing. Um, we have all these sort of ups and downs and highs and lows, these sort of potential moments of things improving and then not, or some things improving and then other things getting worse. It's been a really tumultuous roller coaster of a time. Just wanna ground us back in that illusion of control, which not to be harsh, but we're gonna myth bust it. <laughs> Knowledge is power, but information is not control. So no matter what you learn, um, to serve your clients better, how much you read the news about COVID, it does not make a difference. You still do not have control. Um, change is constant and we've never really had control over our clients also. I think it's important to remember that we respect their autonomy and self-determination. I think a great example of this does have to do with uh, COVID precautions, perhaps vaccine hesitancy, things like that. Um, what we realize is that even if we want, even if we firmly believe that we know the right path or know what decisions someone should make, we can't actually make other people do something, um, clients that is. I know that is now a little bit more of a gray area with, um, with colleagues, with employees, uh, using the example of vaccine hesitancy. Um, but just for the purposes of thinking about radical acceptance, it's just important to remember we truly have no control. We are actually following them on their path and we are just partnering with them along the way as they decide what, what's important for them, what goals they wanna work on, what they will and won't do in terms of uh, engaging in care and uh, taking precautions around their health during this time. We've got a little uh, square here. And last time I did this, I had people uh, tell me things and I typed them in. And then this will go to the slide deck that can be available to you. Um, but just to think on what do we have control over and what do we not have control over for ourselves or our clients or work? So we have just a few minutes left, but I want to see if we can get a few things in here with a pretty small group that we have. What do we have control over for ourselves? What comes to mind? I find this exercise super helpful, your attitude, thank you, and really grounding ourselves in what exactly do we have control over and what's out of our control? Because that illusion of control <laughs> um, can get a little bit fuzzy at times. And so we do need to, at times, reorganize what we, what we are uh, thinking we do and do not have control over to let ourselves off the hook about probably a lot of stuff and to take responsibility and provide acceptance for some of the things that we might be avoiding within ourselves. Okay, attitude, choices, oopsies, thoughts. You have to let me off the hook if I make some typos here. Thoughts are actions, okay. And what do we not have control over with ourselves? What do we not have control over? And this is ourselves. It could be our personal lives as well. The bottom half is really about clients and work. So something that comes to mind for me is like, you know, family and friends, you know, are, are, are we don't have control over how they're doing. Other people, what they do or do not do. Okay. What they do or don't do. Great. Health conditions, don't always have control over those. Some we might be able to impact in some ways, but we don't truly have full control over a lot of things health-related. The weather, great, yes. People's responses, wonderful. Okay, how about our clients and work? What do we have control over with our workspace? What, what can we, what do we actually have control over? 
offering good resources. Awesome. Our behavior, so our behavior in the work context, yeah. Um, order in our workspace, okay. Order in our workspace, Marie Kondo style. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Listening, yes, that's something we have control over, how we listen, when we listen, how we show we're listening. These are great. Providing consistency, yeah. So they're all about the things we can do. Responding versus reacting. All right, so our last uh, cube here, what do we not have control over in our client and work world? What, what's out of our control? Clients not showing up. Yes, we can try and influence that. We can try and teach them skills, <laughs> but uh, we can't actually control it. Uh, making them do anything you suggest. Absolutely. Anything you suggest, just anything. Uh, what they choose to do with our interventions, cooperation and responses. I'm gonna say cooperation to interventions, time, emotional states, typing as quick as I can, completing homework. Yeah, there's a lot. Like, how are you doing your jobs? My goodness, when all of this is out of your control, right? You have a hard job. Their progress, absolutely. Excellent. Okay, thank you so much for participating in that. I'll get these added to uh, the deck that will be available online. I'm gonna restart the slideshow playing from our current slide. Okay, Choices, choice to change, yeah. All right. So this was last year. Folks gave these answers last year. Pretty similar, right? In a lot of ways, there's some circumstances, circumstantial changes, but yeah. Okay. This is a little infographic from early on in the pandemic that I love looking back on because um, some, some things have changed. I love in the top right, the things I cannot control <laughs> include the amount of toilet paper at the store. Thankfully, I think we're, we're maybe out, outside of that um, thing being something we can't control, though we still can't control it, even if it were an issue again. Um, but things you can control that still are pretty relevant. Your attitude, that's what someone said in this group. Turning off the news, my own social distancing, my kindness and grace finding fun things to do at home, how I follow CDC recommendations, and things I can't control if others follow the rules, the actions of others, predicting what will happen, other people's motives, how others react, how long this will last. Um, well, we have just five minutes left. Um, let, me, let me pick a question of these three. Yeah, well, let's just, just how about we talk about the first one? How can you pra practice acceptance for the limitations on your work with clients right now? And welcome any input. And maybe it's not on the limitations on your work with clients right now. Maybe it's just limitations in general. How do you practice acceptance for the challenges that arise in providing services and complicated multiple system scenarios um, where resources are at times um, not there? Um, how do you practice acceptance for that? I think of um, structural oppression too, something to practice acceptance for. That's something I've, I've thought a lot around. Uh, it's one of the ones that makes me bristle the most about like, I will not accept that. I will not accept that. Uh, but then it's a good example to think back to acceptance is not endorsement. It is just accepting reality and moving forward. So I can be more productive in the role that I'm in instead of getting caught up in and suffering from it. Being flexible, great. Doing my best, the four agreements. I can't remember what they all are. Feel free to share. And how can you know when you're doing enough in these ever-changing circumstances? I like to think of just doing my best, always doing my best and accepting what my best is every single day. Sometimes I'll have more creativity, more intelligence, 
sometimes I won't have as much and that'll also be my best. And that's something to accept on a daily basis. It's never enough. Yeah, do your best every day, leave work at work. Yeah. The bar will for, be forever raising. There will be an endless endless uh, pool of need, um, right, day by day. Okay. So I'll leave you all with some quotes. Um, I like these. They, they're pretty, um, they really reinforce the message here. Uh, the serenity prayer might have been coming to mind for some of you today. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Okay, we've got a couple other random ones here. From Mother Goose, for every ailment under the sun, there is a remedy or there is none. If there be one, try to find it. If there be none, never mind it. Uh, the one down in the bottom left, Shanti Deva, this is from the eighth century. If there's a remedy when trouble strikes, what reason is there for dejection? And if there is no help for it, what is what use is there in being glum? Not perfectly mapping onto radical acceptance, but kind of there. And finally, we'll we'll close out with Epictetus from 100 AD. Make the best use of what is in your power and take the rest as it happens. Some things are up to us and some things are not up to us. Our opinions are up to us, our impulses, desires, aversions, in short, whatever is our own doing. Our bodies are not up to us, nor are our, our possessions, our reputations, or our public offices, or that is whatever is not our own doing. All right. So this is my email address. I'll throw it in the chat too, just in, oopsies, in case you all um, need it for any reason. But that is it for our content for the day. Short and sweet and hopefully, hopefully calming and grounding. Um, thank you for attending and look forward to seeing you all at another training soon.